You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. Hello, greetings. Welcome again to Thinking Territories. And I'm bringing you the Word of God today. We'll be talking about the mind of Christ. We're still doing our series on being rooted and grounded in Christ, okay? Being rooted and grounded in Christ, one of the things that you need to uh, be, uh, be well grounded in is in the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is significant in the life of every believer. If you are going to live like Jesus, you have to think like Jesus. But first of all, let's say this, that, let me say this, that um, uh, the first Adam, Jesus is the last Adam, okay? The first Adam had a very powerful mind before the fall. When God put him on the earth, God gave him dominion um, over, over the entire creation. And God asked him to name the animals. He named all of them, and um, he, he named them, he had intellectual capacity that is, 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 is not been seen since, you know. Um, so, he had a great mind before the fall, alright. He had a great mind before the fall, but when he sinned against God and sin came in, the moment sin came in, what happened is that his mind, um, he lost his his, his, his mind, you know, in a way, yeah, most of his mind. Scientists tell us that we use 10% of our brain's capacity, all right, 10%. Uh, out of 100, only 10%, that's the brightest, the best of us, and the smartest of us uses 10%. So, the first Adam lost 90% overnight, and that affected his relationship with God because now God comes into the garden in the cool of the day and he calls Adam as as he normally did you know and Adam is hiding Adam is hiding and and uh, he covers himself with fig leaves and he is hiding so you see there that because of sin it impacted his mind tremendously and and uh, he now developed insecurity. You know, he developed fear. The fear of God. He said, when God called Adam, where are you? He said, I heard your voice and I was afraid because I was naked. Because I was naked. So he covered himself. Obviously because the glory of God has departed from him. And, and, and now he sees himself physically naked and he's scared. Um, in, in this new state of mind, in this new state of mind. So this new state of mind affected his ability to interact with God. You know, like I said, it brought insecurity. It brought fear into his life. And not only that, if you notice when God began to uh, ask him, how, why, did you, who told you you are naked? Did you eat from the tree that I asked you not to eat? Immediately he says, the woman that you gave to me, uh, she gave me the, uh, the fruit and I ate. So the, there you see that blame shifting began. 
after sin, after he ate from that tree, so his mind was messed up, messed up completely, you know. And uh, so God tries to redeem the situation. He, he sets in motion a process to redeem the situation uh, where he says the seed of the woman talking, talking to the serpent. He says, uh, you will crawl. And, uh, and he says, I'll put enmity between you and the seed of the woman. And you will, crush his, uh, you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. He will crush your head. And we know that's talking about the Messiah himself. He's talking about the last Adam. Okay? The last Adam uh, now is uh, on the scene. And he's the one we're going to major on. But let me show you from the scripture what our mind was, the, the, the state, the condition of the mind of the first Adam after, um, after he sinned. Okay? Ephesians chapter 2, I read from verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 tells us, it gives us the state and the condition of the first Adam when he sinned. He says, and you, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Remember, before we received Jesus, we were in a state that the first Adam was after he sinned. Okay? So, you were dead in trespasses and sins. In which you once walked according to the cause of this world. And according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And then he says in verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath just as the others. So by nature we became children of wrath. Alright. By nature because of sin we were now subject. We were made subject to, um, to the uh, lost the desires of the sinful nature. The sinful nature was imparted to us and that affected our entire being. Spirit, soul and body was impacted by this sin. Alright. So, um, we were in desperate need. We were in desperate need and from that time when Adam was expelled from the garden and uh, man, you know, you know, just continue to deteriorate from that time up till now. Man without Jesus Christ is in a desperate state. It's in a desperate condition. Alright? So, uh, it's important for us to understand that uh, before Jesus came, before Jesus came, we were in a terrible state. In a terrible state. And our minds, our minds were continually evil. In Genesis chapter 6, God says that the imaginations of man 
were continually evil. In Jeremiah, uh, in Jeremiah, he says that the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. So man's mind continues to craft evil, continues to come up with evil imaginations, evil imaginations to to uh, destroy others, to to um, to find ways of subduing, dominating, and so on. So much has been happening over over the years okay and these are all as a result of sin and i want you to know that sin had a major impact on our mind and now jesus comes jesus comes on the scene and jesus comes on the scene but he does not have the same mind he doesn't have the same kind of mind that the first Adam had after sin. He comes with the mind that the first Adam had before he sinned. Because remember, Jesus was God. is God incarnate. He was God in the flesh. So his mind was pure. His mind was perfect. He had all his mental faculties according to um, what the first Adam had before the fall. Okay, so Jesus, Jesus had a healthy mind. He had a great mind. And if you even if, if you study, look at the life of Jesus while he was on earth, um, we can we can break down his mind in in different ways. First of all, we can talk about his um, I'll call it self view, how he viewed himself. He had a healthy view of himself. Okay? He did not exalt himself more than he ought to. And he did not see himself less than he ought to. So, um, self-view uh, was, was important. He knew, for example, he knew where he came from. He, he is not confused like many people today who think that we came from monkeys? Come on, guys. You didn't come from a monkey. You were made in God's image after his likeness. So, uh, Jesus had a healthy view of himself. He had a healthy view of himself. He knew where he came from. You know? Let me read a scripture in, um, in John. St. John's Gospel, chapter 13. In John chapter 13, the Bible makes it very clear to us here. It says in verse 3, it says, And Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God. So he knew where he came from. He had a healthy view of self. Origin. He knew that, okay? Then, he also knew that the Father had given all things into his hands. He knew what he, he had been given. He knew what he was entitled to. He knew that, all right? Very important. And he also knew that he had come from God and was going to God. He knew his destination, healthy view. Of where he came from, what has been given to him, and where he's going. 
important. How? This kind of mind is important and you and I need to develop a healthy view of ourselves. We need to have a healthy view of ourselves. So Jesus had a healthy view of himself. He was not insecure. No, not at all. He was not. He was not insecure. And not only did he have a healthy view of himself, he also had a healthy view of God. He knew God the Father. He had a healthy view of the Father. So he did not have a distorted view of the Father. His mind was in the right state. So he knew the Father. There was nothing that distorted the Father in his mind. Unlike the first Adam, when the, after the first Adam ate the fruit that God says he should not eat, immediately his mind was distorted and when he heard the voice of God coming into the garden, he ran. His mind was now, he, he, his mind had developed fear, it had developed guilt, it had developed um, insecurity. That developed inferiority. It was messed up by sin. Jesus was not like that at all. So he had a healthy self-view. Okay? He had a healthy self-view. But then also he had a healthy view of the Father. Adam did not have a healthy view of the Father after he sinned. His view of the Father was that I'm afraid he's going to kill me. Oh, he's going to destroy me. He's going he's to he's gonna punish me. Or he's going to do something. No. When you sin against God, don't run away from him. Run to him. Yeah. So, uh, Jesus had a healthy view of God. And he knew that he was subject to God. He was not above God. All right. He knew that and he made that very clear. He made it clear. The father, my father is greater than I. He knew. He knew that. And that helped him. That helped him in his walk with um, uh, his, his walk on the earth. And in fulfilling his destiny, his mission, his assignment. He was able to fulfill that. Why? He had a healthy view of God. The father all right then not only that he also had a healthy view of the world he had a healthy view he had a healthy world view world view is not just uh, what you see with your eyes but is how you see how you see the world is important Jesus had a healthy view of the world he had a good world view yeah, he had a good worldview. And why? It's because of his mind. The kind of mind that he had enabled him to have a, 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 a healthy worldview. He could see things properly. He saw the Pharisees for who they were. He saw sinners, you know, with a healthy perspective. When, the, bro when the, bro the woman caught in adultery to him for stoning, Jesus, you know, he, he said, He that, that is without sin should cast the first stone. And then those guys left 
And now he turns to the lady, where are your accusers? She says, they were all gone. She says, okay. Neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. He had a healthy view of sinners. That's why he could become a friend of sinners. It's because of his worldview. His, he had a healthy view of the world, of the people. So, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Alright, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He had a healthy view of the world. He knew the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He knew that man was hopeless without him. He knew that man needed him. He knew that. knew that and he kept to that mission. He was able to carry it out successfully. Why? Because of a right mind. He had a right mind. Okay? So, let me, uh, and let's, let's, if Jesus had a right mind, okay, I mean, the first Adam had the right mind at the beginning. Now, he lost it for an inferior mind that so sinful, became deceitful and wicked and all of that. Then, with time, Jesus now comes on the scene and he is walking in the mind, in a perfect mind. Alright, with the perfect view of self, perfect view of God, and a perfect view of the world, of people, right? He had the right view. Why? His mind uh, gave him the right perspective all the time. He always had an accurate perspective of things. So, we need that kind of mind. And that's what we're talking about today. And the mind that Jesus had enabled him to do great exploits. The things he was able to do because of the mind that he had. We need that mind as well so that we can work the works of Jesus. Hallelujah. We can work the works of Jesus. So let's go back. Let's, let's look at, um, let's, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 2. And I will read here. From Ephesians, the same chapter 2, but I'll read from verse 4. He says, um, remember that we were, remember that we were children of wrath. We were dead in trespasses and sins before Jesus came, all right? Now Jesus has come and he has demonstrated what, um, what the right mind is supposed to be like, all right? He has shown it in his lifestyle. He has shown it in his ministry. He has shown it in his interactions with people and so on. Uh, in his, his interaction with, with sinners, his interactions with religious community, Pharisees, hypocrites and all of that. And, and, and uh, so here now we see in verse 4, he says, But God who is rich in mercy, why is he saying but God? Remember he had talked about how we were dead in sins and trespasses, you know, subject to the flesh, the desires of the flesh, whatever came to our mind. That's what we did. We did not have the power to resist the sinful nature, okay? So, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, 
made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Okay? And raised us up together. Made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So he has made us to sit. He has elevated us. So God, out of his mercy, through Jesus Christ, now elevates us from, you know, from that pathetic situation, condition. And then he, he places us in the heavenly places in Christ. Placed us there. Gave us a seat there. Now, that elevation is supposed to also impact our minds. Supposed to impact how we think. Supposed to impact how we operate. Supposed to impact how we walk on the earth. It's supposed to impact how we relate with God. It's supposed to impact how we relate with the world. It's supposed to impact how we how we, we relate with the supernatural, how we, how we operate on the earth. How we deal with challenges. How we deal with opposition. How we deal with demonic powers. It's supposed to impact on that. Alright. So, but I want you to see something here that if we were raised up, that means we were down there, right? Our minds were earthly all right earthly bound to the earth bound to the lower elements and beggarly elements of the earth and now god lifts us up gives us a place in the heavenly places in christ and you need to be rooted in this truth you need to be grounded in this truth because it will help you and how you operate on the earth. So, um, let's look at another scripture in Colossians. Colossians, um, Colossians chapter, chapter 3. Yes, Colossians chapter 3. And uh, I'll read verse 1. Remember, we've been raised up and made to sit with Christ in the heavenly places. Okay? Now, chapter 3 verse 1 of Colossians says, If you have been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Alright, so if you have been raised with Christ, it says, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Alright? Then he says in verse 2, set your mind on, the th on things above, not on things on the earth. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Why? Because that's your position. It's an exalted position. There is a mentality that goes with that position. Okay? So, most of us need orientation. To operate in the mind of Christ. We need, we need a mental orientation. And that's why the Bible says to us in Romans chapter 12 verse 2. It says, uh, do not be conformed to this world. 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So, this world, right, this world has a particular frame of mind. This world has a particular frame of mind without Christ. You see what we read in Ephesians chapter 2, right? In verse 3, yeah, and 4. Our minds, if you, if you just live according to what everybody around you is thinking, that's the level you would be at. But God has called you to a higher level of operation. He has called you to a higher level of thinking and a higher level of, of living. So that you can operate from that position. Yes. So that's why he says we need to set our mind on things above, not on things of the earth. If you remain just earthbound, if you only focus on earthly things, um, then you will only experience earthly things. But if you want to experience heavenly things, you need to start uh, focusing on heavenly things as well. As a man thinks, so is he. Remember that scripture? Yeah. So if you think only earthly, that's what you are going to experience. But if you think heavenly as well, I know you are here on the earth physically, but spiritually, you are not on the earth. You are seated in the heavenly places in Christ. That is real. That is a reality. Okay? So that's the truth about you. And you need to understand something. Isn't it interesting? I was just thinking about it. Um, when Jesus, when Jesus was on the earth for three and a half years with his disciples, do you notice that when Jesus left, when Jesus left the earth. He didn't leave them with any manual. Okay? He didn't leave them with any ministry manual. In fact, he didn't even leave them with a discipleship manual. He didn't, he didn't leave them with that. He didn't leave them with any property. He didn't leave them with any property. Can you imagine that? Oh, Jesus. No property? No, not even a ministry manual? Uh, there's no manual. This is a preaching manual. This is your preaching textbook. Jesus didn't leave them with that. He didn't leave them with a, uh, a manual for deliverance. He didn't leave them with that. Huh? Uh, I, I, it would be good if he had left them with that, right? But he didn't. So, and he, he didn't even take time to write any book. And to say, okay, here are my notes. He didn't get, leave them with preaching notes. Sermon notes. He didn't. He didn't leave them with all of that. But guess what? Jesus, you know, his major investment, 
His major investment was in their spirit and in their minds. So for three and a half years, he was working on their minds. Working on their minds. Every day, every day he would look into their eyes and tell them, you are not like this. You should not be thinking like this. I remember there was a time that uh, they were going, they, were, they wanted to go through Samaria and the Samaritans didn't allow them to go. And guess what? <laughs> James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder said to the Lord, Lord, allow us to call down fire on these people like Elijah did. Like Elijah called fire on those, on those people that were making fun of him. Allow us to, to call down fire to consume them for, for doing this. And Jesus says, you don't know the spirit that you have. You don't know the kind of spirit that you have. What is it saying? Your mind. You need to, th you don't, don't think like that. That's, that's not the kind of thinking. That's not the kind of thinking I've come to introduce. I've not come to, to, to destroy. I've come to save life. So he's not Elijah. <laughs> Hallelujah. But Jesus didn't kill anybody. Yes. Why? Because of the kind. I mean, he had a perfect mind. He had a perfect mind. So he was helping them to see things correctly, to see things, to understand things, you know, at that level. So he spent three and a half years investing in their minds, in their thinking, and in their spirit. Investing his, in, into their lives. And that's what he left. That's what he left with them. And one time, there was a, there was a, um, there was a dispute among them as to who was the greatest. And Jesus comes and says, you guys, you know... It doesn't work like that in the kingdom. In the kingdom. Jesus now takes a child and says, look at this child. If you're going to be great in the kingdom, this is, this is, this is, you have to humble yourself like this child. So, in other words, it's, and then he says, the, the, the person, if you're going to be great in the kingdom, you need to be a servant of all. So, he was building into their minds. He was investing into their minds. He was investing some of his mind into their minds. That's what Jesus was doing. So those, those three and a half years he spent with them, he was busy, you know, working on their minds, release some of his mind, impart it to them, impart some of it to them, helping them to see things the way they ought to. And today we have access to the same mind that Jesus had. Isn't that amazing? It's great. Yeah. So, uh, we have been elevated to the same place where Jesus is. All right. Um, at the right hand of God. And God is saying that we need, we need to also set our mind there. All right. Now, let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 2. Amazing. First Corinthians chapter two. Let me read from. Uh, 
verse 9. Okay, verse 9. It says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Okay? Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, it has not entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared. And then verse 10 says, But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Alright? The Spirit searches all things. And then it says, What man knows the things of the man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no man knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Okay? Now, verse 12 says, And now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know. That we might know. Okay? Know the things that have been freely given to us by God. To know. Your mind needs to know some things. Know the things that have been freely given to you. And the Holy Spirit is here to help us. To know these things. This is the same Spirit that enabled Jesus to know the things that God had put all things into his hands. As we read in John chapter 13. Okay. Yeah. So, he says, uh, These things we also speak. Not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And then verse 14, he says, But the natural man does not receive the, the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Yeah, that mind, the natural mind, is the mind of the first Adam after the fall. It does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them. Because they are spiritually discerned. And that's why many people struggle to embrace spiritual truths. Why? The natural mind. The rational mind. It's a fallen mind. It is a mind that is subject to the earth. A mind that is subject to just the elementary things of the earth. And it cannot, it cannot operate in the supernatural. It cannot embrace the things of God. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. And then verse 15 says, But he who is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? In other words, who is going to advise God? Who is his counselor? No? And then he says, but we have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. I love that. We have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. So, Jesus did not only give us um, salvation to save us from our sins, wash away our sins, He also did something for our minds. 
and he has given us he has given us his mind he has made available his mind to us that's the mind that enables us to know spiritual truths to know uh, to interact with god this the mind of christ does not doubt god the mind of christ does not know impossibilities the mind of christ huh, is not lifted in pride the mind of christ is a humble mind the mind of christ does not abuse authority the mind of christ is that mind that we need so you need to be grounded in the mind of Christ you need to understand this and you need you need to be well established in the mind of Christ why so that you can work the works of Jesus work the works of Jesus you need his mind to work the works of Jesus hallelujah so there is so much you can see about the mind of Christ in the scriptures but let's look at let's look at one scripture in um, Philippians let's look at Philippians Philippians chapter 2. I love that. Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says to, the, the Bible says, he um, says from verse 1, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love being of one accord of one mind let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit you see let nothing if you don't have a healthy view of self you will be selfish and you'll be conceited okay it says but in lowliness of mind can you see that in lowliness of mind let each one esteem others better than himself. This is the mind of Christ. This is the mind of Christ. And then in verse 5 he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. The NIV says, did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. Although he was God in the flesh, he did not insist to say, no, I must, I must keep all my God powers. I must keep all my God attributes. I must, I must, I must carry the glory from, that I've had from eternity. I want to hold on to it. He did not insist on all of those things. But the Bible says that he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a born servant and coming in the likeness, in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. This is the worst kind of death that man in, 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 invented, came up with, especially in the Roman Empire in those days. And so... The mind of Christ is the mind of humility. It's a mind that esteems others better. Alright? It's not a selfish mind. This mind of Christ, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't uh, insist 
on its own rights all the time. Hallelujah. That's the mind that Christ had. And we need to develop this mind. We're going to walk the works of Jesus. We need to think the way Jesus thought. Yeah. Because as your mind goes, so your life goes. Alright. So, and, and because of this mind, he humbled himself and was obedient. The mind of Christ is an obedient mind. It's not a rebellious mind. It's an obedient mind. He obeyed the will of the Father. Even though he didn't like, he didn't want to. In Gethsemane, he says, Father, let this cup pass over me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That's the kind of mind Jesus had. And that's the kind of mind we need to be grounded in. We need to be grounded in that mind. Okay. Where... Uh, where he, he, was, he allowed himself to be killed. The most humiliating death. He was crucified. Uh, and, 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 and then what happens? That the Bible says in verse 9. Therefore God also has highly exalted him. Giving him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Of those in heaven. Of those on the earth. And of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess. That Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. This is the mind he had been demonstrating to the disciples. And now it was climaxed at the cross. It climaxed at the cross. And, 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 and so we need to have the same kind of mind. The mind that can serve others. The mind. That can love others. The mind that is not self-seeking. All the time. Always seeking. Uh, seeking your, your, your interest uh, only. You know. He, he's the one that's, that told us. He says we should do. Um, we should love our neighbors as ourselves. Do to others what you want others to do to you. That's how Christ thinks. That's the mind of Christ. We need to have that kind of mind. A mind that can forgive. Uh, 70 times 7 uh, times he, he forgives. That's the mind. That's the kind of mind that we need to have. A mind that forgives. A mind that loves. A mind that serves. A mind that is humble. A mind that is obedient. Isn't that amazing? We, the world will be a better place. Even the church will be a better place if people develop the mind of Christ. We develop the mind of Christ. You, you, you won't have any problem serving. You know, serving any, anyone. Why? Because Jesus came to serve and not to be served. And that mindset was able to impart to the disciples. You know, the same people who used to struggle, you know, had, used to compete about position and, and so on. By the time Jesus died and ascended, he had, he had completed his investment in their minds and in their spirits. And we can see the impact. We read the book of Acts, we see the impact on, that they had on their generation because of that mind. That Jesus imparted to them. And 
We need to develop this mind. We need to grow in this so that we can do even the greater works. He says, he that believes in me, the works that I do shall you do. And greater works than this because I go to the Father. A mind that is always looking at people instead of, instead of seeing and, and, and criticizing people. A mind that is able to see potential in sinners. A mind that is able to see value in people. A mind that is able to see evil for what it is. A mind. That's the kind of mind that has a healthy view of self. A healthy view of God. And a healthy view of the world. A healthy view of the people. So we need that mind. Father, I pray right now. Pray for my brother, I pray for my sister, those watching right now. I pray, Lord, that the mind of Christ will be imposed over their minds. In the name of Jesus, let, the, let, let there be a renewal of the mind by the word that I've spoken and by the scriptures as they read the scriptures, as they continue to listen to your word, as they continue to hear your word. Lord God, let their minds be renewed. Renovate their minds. In the name of Jesus. Thank you Lord. I give you glory. In Jesus name. Now if you're watching this broadcast. And you've not given your life to Jesus. I want to pray for you. And I want you to just repeat this after me. Say dear God. I thank you. For sending Jesus. To die for me. I believe in my heart. That he died and rose. To give me life. Right now, I say, Jesus, come into my heart. Wash my sins and make me a new person. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now, let me pray for you. Father, I pray for, I pray for my brother, my sister, all those that have prayed this prayer. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would move in their lives. I ask, oh, Lord God, that the new creation, the reality of the new creation will dawn upon them. Let your kingdom be made manifest in their lives. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.